So I titled my message, Spiritual Growth Guaranteed, and then I put a footnote to myself at the top of the sermon. Spiritual Growth Guaranteed, footnote. I'm looking down to read it. Only if you understand this. And this is what I'm going to read to you, a section of Scripture that tells you how your spiritual growth can be guaranteed. But if you think it's not going to require any effort on your part, then let me just dispel this idea. Spiritual growth, and we're going to see, is a response to the incredible grace of God in our lives. Let's look at Psalm 119, an amazing psalm that is broken down into stanzas that follow, all the poetic stanzas follow the Hebrew alphabet, and each poetic stanza or section of the poem is also, each sentence begins with that letter of the alphabet. It is a poetic masterpiece of massive intellectual achievement. Uh, may have been David, we don't know. Let's look at Psalm 119, though, and let's read verses 33 through 40, and then I will try to make some brief points that help us to grow as Christians. Psalm 119, verse 33, Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the, the reproach that I dread for your rules or good. Behold, I long for your precepts and your righteousness. Give me life. I think this is true for almost every one of us. I, I, I got to believe that it's true for most people. All of us want to improve. That's why self-improvement books are such a, a, a popular section in, in bookstores and on Amazon. We want to improve. I've met very few people who, who would make it, who would say, I've made it my aim to get worse and worse. <laughs> Everybody wants to improve. Now, some people work harder at it, right? I'd love that. I'd, I'd love self-help kind of stuff. I love reading those books. I'm Gabe tells me all the time, if God hadn't saved me, I'd have been a motivational speaker. Apart from Christ. For the Christian knows something happens the moment you trust Jesus. Something happens in you. If you trusted Jesus a long time ago, this happened. And the Spirit of God... Uh, makes this continue to happen. There's this longing in your life to please and follow and love Jesus. That's just one of the indicators that God has saved you, is that there's this desire to grow. There's a desire for spiritual growth because you're changed now. 
You were dead in your transgressions and sins, and now you're alive in Christ, and you have this desire to follow him, to live for him. So if you don't have that, if you don't have any desire at all for spiritual growth, you don't have any desire to change, you don't have any desire to grow in your love for Jesus, that may be and possibly uh, is indicative that you are not yet a follower of Jesus. But how do we, what is a success plan for spiritual growth? What would guarantee spiritual growth? Psalm 119, this section, guarantees spiritual growth. But it's a guarantee with an assumption that you must understand what God is doing here. What's going on here? These psalms are prayers, they're songs. The psalmist prays for things. He petitions God for things. He basically is telling God to do things for him. The letter has this causative sense. Did you, the, the, the section that we just read has this causative sense. It's, it's this, he's asking God all these things he's asking God for. Teach me, give me, lead me, incline me, turn me. Confirm in me. Turn away reproach from me. I I want to long for your precepts. He's asking God to do some things, but then also there's causes. What's it causing? What it causes is these results. Teach me, Lord, your statutes. Why? That I'll keep them to the end. Give me understanding. Why? That I might observe your laws with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of righteousness. Why? Because I delight in that. You see this? He's, he's, it's a cause-effect thing. He's, he's praying for God to do things, that, but he's hoping for this result. But notice, these are like causative prayers. And I think the, the ESV gets this this right, this, this sense that, that it's God, that he's not, this is not like, Lord, I'm going to really make an incredible effort here. Would you help me? Would you just provide that little nudge I need to get me over the edge? I'm going to do most of the work, Lord, but if you would just give me a little flick, then I'll, I'll get these rewards that I see. No, the psalmist is not praying that way. He's praying more of a causative prayer. He's saying that I can't do these things. I won't realize and accomplish and achieve these rewards that are laid out here unless, God, you do something in me. So you might say it more like these. These, these are cause me prayers. So it's not just teach me. It's like, cause me to to be taught the way of your statutes. Cause me to understand. Cause me to, to, to follow in the paths of your righteousness. Lord, would you cause me to do that? I wonder how often we pray that. How often are your prayers represented or, or uh, yeah, characterized by this? So, you're so dependent upon God that you're saying, God, I, I can't do. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So how often do we pray that? Like, apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. He doesn't mean that we actually can do nothing. You can do things apart from God. What he's saying, though, is if you want to do something that has real value, any eternal value, anything that accrues to eternal reward, then you're going to need God's help. You won't do that apart 
from God. We need more cause me prayers. He's praying. It's almost like he's giving God these imperatives. He's telling God what to do. Because if God doesn't do something, then he won't realize any growth. God, do these things for me. He's praying because he recognizes that if he's going to achieve any spiritual growth, he he realizes that God must supply the deepest motivation that he needs. In other words, he prays because he believes his future obedience depends on God's prior grace. Did you catch that? Your future obedience depends on God's grace. Prior grace. What he needs most is deep motivation to live for Jesus, and the only place to get that is from Jesus. So if you want to grow spiritually, you've got to get motivation right. If you get that right, spiritual growth will follow. It's guaranteed. So he's praying for what God provides because he knows that he's desperate for it. Let's just talk briefly about what the psalmist is praying. He's recognizing that God promises to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. He's recognizing that God has promised to do for you what you can't, even on your best day, do for yourself. God promises to do for us what we can't do for ourselves, and so he prays. He's praying. And there's three things I just want to highlight. Why is he praying? One, because only God can make us understand his ways. Two, because only God can direct us down the right paths. And three, because only God can deliver us from sin and evil. So let me just, I gave you those. You're going to be able to go home and think on the three of those things because I'm not going to be able to unpack those as much as I would like. Let's start with only God can make us understand his ways. That's where he starts out in verse 33. That's his two requests right out of the blocks. Teach me, give me understanding. Teach me, give me understanding. The most important thing in life is to have God as your teacher. Do you have God as your teacher? That's the most important. He's the most important teacher you've ever had. He's the most important teacher you ever will have. You need God to teach you. If you're learning all that the world can teach you apart from God, you're in for a bad ending. Is that true for every single one of us? It doesn't matter whether you're a teenager who's just discovering for the first time the grace of Jesus and you're starting to follow him, or whether you've been sitting here and you're in this room and you've been following Jesus for a long time. You are just as dependent upon the grace of God today as you were when you first started following him. And that's true until you go to be with him. So we got to pray if we're going to grow. What's something we can pray? God, cause me, give me understanding. 
Cause me to understand. Teach me. I can't understand this on my own. That's why every time I have devotions, I, almost every time I pray this, before I open the Bible up, I say, Lord, would you open my eyes, warm my heart, mold my will, and then I, pray, and then I get in. That's my simple prayer of dependence upon God. If we had the ability to teach ourselves, then this guy's prayer is idiotic. I was listening to a, a leadership, a podcast on leadership, and he was describing that he was doing this teaching. He was, he was a, he's an ex-Navy SEAL, and he's got this uh, uh, leadership program that he runs, and he brought, all the, he brought 20 leaders in for this weekend conference, and they were sharing stories, and a couple of his buddies were Navy SEALs, and they were there too, and so they were just all sharing these stories, and all the stories kept coming back to him, and a leadership move that he made, and it was really making him seem like the man. And so after they had finished their first session, 20 people, 20 of these leaders came up, and they started saying to him, it's amazing some of the things that, you've, that you've, you've accomplished. Your leadership gift is so instinctual. Like you have this instinctual leadership gift. And he said they just lined up to pay him praise. And he just was eating it up. He's like, yeah, you're right. Is it saying this in his mind? Like, yeah, I am. I mean, I, I just got these like leadership instincts. But then they took a break and he walked outside and he started thinking. Is that what this is about? Leadership instinct? The people in the room are paying thousands of dollars to be a part of the training that I'm doing. If leadership is instinctual, then why am I taking their money? Why are they paying me? So he got up before the next session. And he said, a bunch of you thanked me for my instinctual leadership gifts. And I've just been outside thinking. It may seem like instinct, but I have actually learned these things. And so what I need to do is go figure out what I've learned so that I can give you some instruction. I do not believe that leadership is instinctual. And then he went on to try to teach them some leadership skills. Growth is not something that's going to, it's not instinctual. It's not like we're not going to grow apart from God teaching us. God has to teach us. But you can grow. You might look around the room. You're looking around the room or you show up at missional community and you look at people that you, you just say, man, they just seem to like grow in leaps and bounds. And I seem to like take one step forward and take 10 steps back. They seem to have like this inst instinct for spiritual growth. But God must have passed me over on that gene. I just don't seem to grow like that. This is true. If it's true spiritual growth, it's because God, only God can make you understand his ways. Only God can teach you. And we're all equal, desperate in our need for God to teach us. Are you approaching the Bible that way? Are you approaching God that way? Are you saying, Lord, cause me to understand. That's the only way I'm going to grow. Only God can direct us down the right paths. 
Only God can direct us down the right paths. The point I want to make here is that obedience is dependent upon grace. Spiritual growth is powered not by our efforts, but by grace. Now, did I just say that efforts are not included? No, I didn't say that. We do respond to grace. Obedience is a response to all the grace that God has shown you. It's not an attempt to earn grace. You can't obey God apart from his grace actively at work in your life. So we need God to direct us. We need God to empower us. We need grace to fuel us if we're going to take steps forward in spiritual growth. We've got to have grace to empower us. We just were on vacation in another country for a while, and, and I was nervous because I was driving the car, and it was a diesel. And I don't drive diesel that very much, and I was really scared that I would pull up to the gas pump and just out of habit fill it up with, with regular gas. Now, I don't know what happens when you do that, but it can't be good. That, that's got to create an engine problem of significant portions. And, and so it wasn't, just, it wasn't just that I had this fear that if I put regular gas in the diesel car, that our trip would come grinding to a screeching halt, but that I was going to owe the rental car company a lot of money. If I try to power the vehicle with something that does not power it. A lot of you are trying to grow. You're trying to grow in some way. You want spiritual growth. But you're not putting the right fuel in the car for spiritual growth. What you're doing is you're putting in a lot of yourself. You get up in the morning and you, and you put your, the gas uh, nozzle in and you start to fill it with self. And you wonder why the car comes to a screeching halt before you get very far. A lot of you are putting in, you're filling the car up with worldly ideas, even, even ideas that, that, that are good, but aren't enough to, of a source of power to motivate you and propel you forward. What am I saying? I'm saying you got to fill the car of your spiritual lives with the grace of the gospel because that's what's going to fuel your forward growth. All right, let's keep going. Let me just end with this. Only God can deliver us from sin and evil. Why is he praying? He's praying because he wants spiritual growth, but he recognizes that only God can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And so he prays these things. He prays that God would cause him. Only God can make us understand. Only God can direct us down the right paths. And then I'll end, and let me get the band to return on the youth band. Only God can deliver us from sin and evil. I love this verse, and it's part of the reason why I chose this section of Scripture is for all of you teens. So let me look at you. You're distracted because your friends are getting up, and you're wondering what their song they're going to play, and what are they going to do, and is any one of them going to trip going up the stairs? Um, so let me get your attention. I hope you notice this. Look at, look at verse 37, because I thought of you guys. I thought of your whole week last week. Look at verse 37. Let's all read it together if you have it. Psalm 119, verse 37. Ready? Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life 
in your ways. This only God caused me, God, to turn my eyes. Like, God, I need you. Have you ever felt like your gaze was stuck somewhere where it shouldn't be, but you couldn't get your gaze off of it? Has your, have your eyes ever been transfixed on the things of the world? And you maybe even want to fix your eyes on Jesus, but it's like they're locked. And worthless things. He's praying, only God, only you can deliver me from myself. God, would you cause my eyes to not look at worthless things, but to look to you, Jesus, the author, perfecter of my faith, the prize of my heart, the king of my heart, the, the perfecter of my salvation, the ruler of my life. Will you cause me to look at you? Does anybody else need that? Does anybody else know what it's like to have your eyes seem like they want to look away from Jesus. Teens, you know what this is like. Our eyes are attracted to the wrong thing. Our eyes are attracted to sin, and sin deceives us. It promises pleasure to us, and it lures us away from Christ. And so the psalmist, recognizing this, says, would you cause my eyes to look at you? Calvin said, as soon as we wake up in the morning and open our eyes, two gates are available for the devil to enter our hearts. Two portals to hell right there. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy. It's so much easier now to look at hellish things than it was 10 years ago. 20 years ago. The internet, which is a good thing. We should thank God for the internet, but that internet is so easy. In the secrecy of your own, you, you can just turn your phone. Even sitting among other people, you can turn your phone and a portal to hell is right there. God, turn my eyes from worthless things that I might fix my gaze on you, Jesus, and have my soul satisfied in you. Because every time we look at worthless things, we go away feeling that dissatisfaction, the shame, and the guilt, and no growth takes place. Lord, would you help us? These are cause me prayers. The path forward in the Christian life is one of prayer. Brandywine Grace, I pray that we would pray more. Because I'm seeing this. I'm seeing if you want revival, if you want to follow Jesus, if you want a heart that's warm towards Christ, if you want the gasoline of grace to actually propel you forward so that we as a church create what I'm calling a gospel culture, like real messed up people whose lives are being transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. If you really, really want that, then it's going to require prayer. Who's going to pray? Who's going to pray? Who's, who's, this is how spiritual growth is going to occur. It's going to occur through prayers that recognize how dependent we are upon God. Some of you all don't know how dependent you are upon God. God's trying to do things. God's brought you to places to show you how dependent you are. I just took another kid to college. 
And all that that represents, college ain't cheap. And dropping these kids off at college. And, and I feel like the Lord's teaching me something, especially this week. Because I feel like if I'm in my kid's life, if I'm in close proximity to my kids, then I can protect them from everything that's going to happen. Anything. Spiritually. Physically. But the reality of it is, is I've never been able to do that. What do I control? I think I control a lot. But I'm in control of basically nothing. So what's God teaching me? Kenny, you ought to pray. You ought to pray because I'm actually in control of everything. And I will take care of your son in ways that you never could. It doesn't make it easy, guys. But I'm praying more because I'm, I'm in a dependent place. Maybe God has some of you there. That's a good thing. Spiritual growth on the way. If you're falling on your face before God and saying, God, would you give me understanding? Would you guide me in your paths? Would you deliver me from sin and evil? Amen.